Hello, my name is Sarah Rosa Davies, and you're listening to the Emerald Podcast Network. I'm the new podcast editor, and today we've got another episode of How It's Reported. This time, we're talking about reporting during an especially stressful time at the Emerald, Hell Week, where we publish a print edition every day the first week of the term. Covers and all that it includes. I'm talking to the reporter behind our cover on how UO libraries are transitioning to the digital world. My name is Duncan Baumgarten. Um, I am the crime reporter for the Daily Emerald. The story that I was working on wasn't crime related. It was talking about the library system, uh, how it's planning on making changes, how it's planning on developing its catalog talking a little bit about all the different libraries that we have on campus and as we go into a new decade, just sort of how they see the future of the libraries taking shape. So my first question may seem a little bland uh, to you at this point, but I wanted to know, why write about the role of libraries on campus? Well, it's a very personal story for me because I've always really loved libraries and I've always really appreciated the role that it has both in education but also um, the place that it has in a community because the U of O libraries serve much more than just students. It serves citizens, it serves faculty, it serves staffs, it serves everyone and I think that it's important that students know just how much they're doing that it's more than just the night library. It's more than just you know the law school library that's tucked over in the corner over by Kalapuya because it, it's such a massive resource, and I, I think that it's important that students and everyone knows just just what they're doing. So in your story, you kind of talk about the history of the library at first and then get into, like, how many books they have, which is a lot. A even, lot. even at the start of the university, there were, like, thousands, mm-hmm. hundreds of thousands of books. You talked a little bit to Dean Mark Watson, who is the dean of the libraries mm-hmm. at UO. Yep. And he, you quoted him about the concept of a giant library model. And I wanted you to explain that concept. So can you explain what a giant library model is and how that connects to UO's libraries? Back in earlier days of libraries, university libraries had to serve everyone but had to, it was a sort of um, jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none sort of situation where they had a little bit of everything, but because of the internet, because of technology, and because of being able to share resources, the library system is so much more than just the Knight Library. It's so much more than just U of O libraries. He said the entire Pacific Northwest, they all work together to sort of try and serve each other's needs, which also lends to a certain amount of uh, specialization with catalogs, with the collections that they have. So I think that's sort of what he was trying to get at there. You spoke a little bit just now about the technological advances that libraries have made. I wanted to hear about what type of research you had to do in order to discover all these different things that the library had to offer. I talked to the Dean of Libraries, Mark Watson, first. I think a lot of the points that we touched on in that conversation helped uh, sort of guide my research in terms of archives, because he mentioned some of the great archives, uh, special collections that the library has, and he mentioned um, the science complex. Obviously, he knows quite a lot about the library at large, and so I think a lot of that conversation helped direct 
uh, sort of the major touch points for the library system here. So just now you talked a little bit about the university archive system, which is kind of housed within the library system. I've had to go there for reporting I've done for the Emerald. It's a great asset for research, um, especially for journalists or just anyone interested in the UO history and community. Absolutely. Um, what was your visit there like? Oh, I I loved being able to go visit uh, the archives and special collections because there's such a juxtaposition between, visually the juxtaposition between uh, the archives and something like the Dream Lab, which is all very sleek. It has very open space. It's very technologically forward versus somewhere like the archive where it's very visually what you would expect from a university library. But truly the the mission of both of these assets are the same to uh, provide as much open access to information as possible and promoting that open access as best they can. I met with one of the special collections librarians, Alex Bizio, and I think our conversation there really opened up that side of it about how truly the core mission between all of these different library assets is open access to information, whether that be you know, kids' books, whether that be uh, notes from famous authors, whether that be uh, stone tablets from Mesopotamia from uh, 2000 BC, something like that. Did you get to see those? Uh, those ones you have to put in a, a specific separate request to be able to see those. But if somebody were interested in being able to see it, it's just an email away and they'd be able to go view that, uh, go view those uh, pieces of history. Based on the story, it seems like students are underutilizing the library. Like, it seems like there's all these opportunities there, but it's kind of sitting there. It's just like, we may use it for, like, research for classes, like databases, mm -hmm. but, like, I rarely see people actually, like, I see people studying at the library, but personally, I've never seen people, like, <laughs> go and, like, use the technological resources. Right. yeah. Did anyone in your story specifically talk about this large opportunity there or what was what was the conversation around utilization of the library dean watson uh spoke about that idea about how when he was a student in his college days he was one of the people who didn't necessarily see the great uh the the depth of opportunities and service that the library can offer. And I think that is one area that the U of O libraries are trying to remedy a little bit, trying to promote the the depth of opportunities that the library can provide, that it's so much more than just, I mean, obviously it is a study space, but it's also so much more than that. It's a place to find experts. That's one point that I think was really highlighted was that there are so many people here that are available to help and to guide. Dean Watson spoke about that. He said that as we move forward, obviously print uh, resources won't be as commonly used, but for the sheer amount of archives and the sheer amount of um, databases that are online, it may seem like you don't even necessarily need to visit a library anymore because all of this information is online. But I think with, he said, 400, 500 databases online, do you even know where to start? And so with something like that, librarians will end up becoming sort of the, the guides for that depth of information. They're like wizards. <laughs> yes, wizards, shamans. Yep. Yeah, it's so interesting to, have you read the library book at all by Susan Orlean? 
I have not. It's a book about the Los Angeles Library fire that happened in the 1980s and oh, how wow. they like had to save all these books from water damage and all this stuff. But the author goes in to the history of libraries and what libraries, what purpose they serve in our community and how they're modernizing and stuff. And um, I see your cover story as very much localizing mm-hmm. that thing because libraries, I loved going to the library as a kid, but at, at college I see it as a very different place Absolutely. than when I was a kid. So to change the subject a bit, um, I want to get into a little bit more of like the reporting and editing process for a cover story at the Emerald because especially during like week one hell week it can be really intense Mm -hmm. can you walk me through the process of writing and editing it from start to finish you don't have to get too into the details here right what was that structure for you my editor approached me about possibly writing a cover story for um hell week and so my initial thinking was i was interested in seeing how technology had evolved on campus over time. But then I've always been interested in the role that libraries have played. Um, And so I I really wanted to be able to look a little bit deeper into the place that the UL libraries had on campus. And so I pitched my story. I got approved to follow through on it. And almost immediately, it was almost finals week, I started doing interviews. And I wanted to, I already had a, a few connections with librarians. Um, and so I reached out to as many as I could initially. Uh, Daily Emerald reporters are required to produce one story each week. So on top of writing my own story for the week, I was also doing interviews for the library story. And so it did it did get pretty hectic towards the, the end of the term. But then I had all of winter break to do any further interviews that I was interested in, do any further research that I was interested in to include in the story. And so all of winter break, it was bouncing between interviews and then, you know, all of these talking to people. After having talked to all these people, I sort of sat down and I thought, okay, so where do I go with this? Because this was my first uh, cover story that I had ever written. And it's, it's a much larger undertaking for a reporter because it's usually about double the size of a normal uh, written piece. And so you just sort of sit down and you try and figure out, okay, how is this going to look? And I was really interested in seeing it in the historical context, listing off, you know, it was this many years before Phil Knight was born. It was this many years before the first Civil War game. Once you go back far enough, you realize just how, for lack of a better term, ancient the libraries are and just how much they've stood the test of time. And so going through and writing and trying to tell that story as best I can about how truly legendary it is in some ways, I think was uh, something that I really wanted to focus on. And so going into the week before the first week of classes, me and my editor, my editors and I were um, working on making sure that I highlighted specific people's point of view, making sure that it all flowed very well together. There were many times that um, for a couple hours each day, we were just working on trying to tell the story as best we could. And being able to finally see the print copy in hand after working for it for about a month, if not a little bit longer, it was it was extremely gratifying to be able to see that. It was super cool. 
on that note of it being super gratifying and having that cover in your hand, it's an amazing feeling mm-hmm. as a reporter to be like, man, I did that. Absolutely. And I worked really hard on that. It's, it's, I mean, it's a very satisfying feeling. Mm-hmm. How did you manage finishing and tying this all up while going to your first week of classes? Oh, man. Um, again, I think that a reporter's best friend and also greatest enemy is time management, making sure that you pay attention to schedules, um, making sure that things don't overlap, um, but also just finding any spare time that I could to try and make sure that everything um, was figured out in terms of um, making sure that I got my say in how it ended up uh, coming into print. But I think that combined with all of the great editors that we have at the Emerald, I think that it was, <laughs> it could have been a lot more painful, <laughs> but I think that, I think that we pulled through pretty well. So stories like this could be hard to like hone in on or cut words from. Mm-hmm. Was there anything that didn't make the cut, but you still found interesting? Oh. Or hmm. did you kind of, when you started writing, you knew, you know, what what was worth it to write about and what maybe was less interesting to readers? So when I'm doing interviews with uh, with subjects for the story, I always bring in a new notebook with me because I want that entire space dedicated in case there is something that I'm not expecting to learn about. Um, and every once in a while when I'm doing an interview or just listening, something catches my ear and um, I, you know, make a little star next to it in my notes or something like that. Um, I don't off the top of my head uh, recall anything that didn't necessarily make the cut. I would have loved to have had more words to tell even more of the stories that they had to share. Um, definitely even looking at the uh, conversation that I had with Megan Austin, the law librarian, um, with uh, Dean Walton, uh, the science librarian. Obviously, they had extremely interesting um, things to discuss, but obviously um, making sure that I can tell a cohesive piece is also very important. Yeah, not in, not sometimes I do this with stories even. I've gotten better at it as I've gotten older, but mm-hmm. is wanting to get too broad. Yeah. I want to tell all the stories and mm-hmm. then I have to focus in. Absolutely. And I think that telling a cohesive and focused story is like one of the skills early journalists and just journalists in general, mm-hmm. I think have issues with, you know, To kind of wrap things up, I want to know if there was one thing you would like an Emerald reader to know about your process when it comes to reporting the story, what would that be? Like in terms of transparency, in terms of like something maybe our audience doesn't know about journalism, is there anything there? I think that, I mean, number one, making sure that students know that yes we do have a print edition that goes along with with the online publication as well especially during hell week the reporters are working so hard to make sure that their stories get out on time and that they tell the story as uh, best as they can for me specifically I think knowing that the most important part for me is telling stories telling the stories of people that I think deserve to be heard that might not be getting a certain amount of uh, attention or is a certain unexplored topic. Um, And I think that that serves best within any of the stories that I write is making sure that I'm telling other people's stories the best I can and the most truthfully as I can. And I think that's the most important thing that both me and I think a lot of journalists want to keep in mind is telling the story as truthfully 
as we possibly can. I think that's a good note to end on. Now I actually really want to go check out what I've been missing at the library for these last four years. I'm a senior and I'm like, man, all I do is study there. Right. (laughs) Thanks for joining me. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. For more information, you can find Duncan's story linked in the article below this podcast. You can find Emerald Podcasts on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, or wherever else you get them. Let us know what you would like to hear about next on How It's Reported by connecting with the Emerald Podcast Network on Twitter at ODE Podcast or at podcast at dailyemerald.com. I'm Sarah Rosa Davies. I'm Duncan Baumgarten. Thanks for listening.